Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Today, we have more of a roundtable than a traditional interview. We have Ben Brucato, the VP Engagement from AASA. We have Ryan Kuiman from SMP. He's the Director of Training over there. And Michael Campana, who's a Senior Manager of QA at Dorman Products. Thanks, guys, for hopping on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. Now, I brought you all together kind of collectively to sort of have a more holistic take on the site. Now, without spoiling the site too much, um, I'm going to just choose one of you. Uh, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what I'm talking about here? Yeah, so this is a concept that was really birthed out of the Automotive Sales Council a while back where the conversation shifted from sales to warranty. And a lot of manufacturers uh, like those represented here, Dorman, Standard Motor Products, MPA, KYB, to name a few, started recognizing how big of an industry issue warranty returns was, including erroneous or fraudulent warranty returns. So they kind of launched a side committee here. Some of us started gathering every other week and uh, putting our heads together. And it really came clear, how do we get the message out? We needed a quick, clean slogan that we can make salespeople, counterpeople, delivery drivers, all this aware of this industry issue here. And so that's where we brought on uh, people like Ben in industry associations and launched this Check the Part website to really get our message out there to the world. Okay. I guess what would be sort of the goal of these meetings? Uh, what are you trying to tackle exactly? How, well, what steps are you taking in terms of you know, preventing fraud or at least minimizing it and helping it be recognized in the first place. One of our first lines of defense here is to just get people to open up the box and verify that the part in the box is what it's supposed to be. So if the box is for an ignition coil, let's verify that it's truly an ignition coil in there. Second, let's verify that it's from the manufacturer where the warranty claim is going back to. And then, uh, Third, is this truly a warranty or is it a new return or is this a core? Something like that. So we've got all kinds of great examples of different stuff we've seen in our boxes. But uh, the first line of defense here and really the simplest one is to just open the box and what is in that box. Yeah. And now, Michael, I guess, what are you seeing from your side from Dorman in terms of a frequency of return or warranty fraud? Well, we see it vary between the different types of categories, but generally speaking, the more expensive the part, the higher the percentage of fraudulent returns. This ranges from most often where the OEM part is returned in the manufacturer part to the store. And when our team, and I hear the same feedback from our peer manufacturers, that when the box, the return box is opened, we see the OEM markings, whether it be General Motors, whether it be the Ford logo, and the part shows an advanced amount of wear 
where the return might say it's in service for two months. Uh, the part clearly has been in service for probably a decade from the grease and grind. That's our number one uh, return type. And then we do get a miscellaneous uh, non-automotive parts even in the box. Uh, we've had lanyards, flashlights. Um, <laughs> we had a quart of transmission oil in a box that should have been a climate control module. It's, it's truly a, a myriad. Well, wow, that's kind of interesting and weird to think about. <laughs> so, Ben, I'll switch this over to you. This being with AASA and sort of probably having a little bit more access to a variety of companies in the aftermarket, in your estimation, how bad is fraud actually in the aftermarket kind of as a whole? The warranty return issue or the returns issue is enormous when it comes to the automotive aftermarket. In fact, the auto aftermarket is probably one of the, is the highest return rate claim uh, industry uh, in the United States. I mean, so you're looking at about over 600 million in warranty claims each year on the parts side of it. And so it's not a new issue. This is obviously something that's, you know, manufacturers and distributors have been talking about for many, many years. And I think this approach, as Ryan really explained well, is different from the past. In the past, we'd look at, you know, if you're looking at rotating electrical or starting and charging some items like that, fuel pumps or high return items. Uh, in the past, we've we've focused on diagnostics, you know, and, and making sure people are doing voltage drop testing and making sure that they're not just throwing a part on a vehicle to see if it fixes the problem and then it doesn't fix it and then we return it to the store. We're taking the even easier approach and kind of, I hate to say it, but the low hanging fruit of saying, all right, this is a big issue in this industry. Let's take it one step at a time, one bite at a time. And the easy one is open the box. We're not even asking you to do diagnostics and, and validating at the part store level, uh, at the distribution level. We're not at, you know asking that. We're just saying, start with opening the box and validating that this is the part that was indeed sold and is being returned. If we could address that, we're addressing a huge portion of return as Michael was talking about all the different products that come back. So this is a, this is a big issue uh, in the industry. And um, as an association, we're here as a nonprofit to help the industry move forward and be profitable. And the warranty returns issue affects everybody from the shop to the distribution uh, to the manufacturer. It's not just a, a one channel issue. It, it's an entire industry issue. And so this is a great initiative to to start chipping away at the problem. Yeah, I, I also like that sort of through something negative, you know, we're seeing a coming together of, well, I mean, technically competitors too, right? And just seeing Michael and Ryan on the same call and, and yourself kind of, kind of coming together and working towards a common solution here. Yeah, this is something that we all see in... You know, it's truly that thing when the tide rises, all ships uh, sail higher. And and so this is a huge issue that we each see. So let's pull our efforts here and let's work together to uh, to do this. And kind of as, as Ben mentioned, this is a a level one triage, right? This, this is one of the first things that somebody can do, whether it be a delivery driver or the counter person or, you know, the returns clerk. Simply open the box. Uh, going back to what Michael had mentioned, 
the higher the dollar category, the bigger issues we see here. And so, uh, you know, for one of our categories, in some cases, as bad as two thirds of what we see come back is not our product in the box or something that should be a core. Quite often, we'll look at a, we'll open up a box ourselves because we are all going to open the box at one point. And, uh, you know, we see something that it's only got one day in service, yet it looks like it came off the floor of the ocean. They pulled it out of the Titanic, you know, it's covered in grease and rust. And it's very evident that this thing was on the vehicle for more than one day. You know, that's something that could have been stopped probably four steps prior to us getting it. Yeah, and it is nice. You're right, Peter, as far as the uh, looking and seeing competitors work together. And because if, you know, an S&P or Dormant or KYB or any of these companies are working on warranty returns and have success and we can get parts professionals at the store to open the box and be more aware, it helps everybody as an industry. So there's nobody loses, you know, because at the end of the day, what we're trying to promote is a behavior that reduces and stops fraudulence. That's really what it is, right? You know, if if you know, if you live in XYZ town and you have a, you know, tendency to kind of scam the system, bring parts back that might not be the part that you purchased. And all of a sudden parts stores in that town are opening the box and say, Hey, you know, we're happy to, we're all about customer service. We're all about returning this item and there is a warranty and so on and so forth, but you can't bring this brick back as a fuel pump. So bring back the fuel pump and then we can talk. And so you start doing that across the country and across multiple distribution. And now people will think twice before they want to try to scam the system. And that right there helps the entire channel. And so that's why it's great to see uh, competitors, uh, you know, and, and the whole channel working together for this. And that's the whole purpose to bring awareness to the entire channel. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier, Ben, the I think warranty returns were $600 million per year. Is that only the fraud portion or is that as a whole? No, that is the fraudulent warranty claims for the industry. And it's a, it's an estimate looking at the different uh, rates for different companies. Of course, it's difficult to look, look at. If you look at a filter company, you know, they're not going to have warranty returns. People don't re- typically return oil filters. Right. Uh, you know, same with wiper blades. But you, again, you look at starting and charging, uh, you look at fuel pumps, vehicle electronics, uh, things of that sort where there might be some complexity in diagnostics. And then, as Michael said, the expense of the part, there is higher warranty. So when you look at that, if we if we can solve or move towards solving just the fraudulent part, that's a $600 million number. And that's that makes a difference. Well, yeah, it sure does. Humor me for a sec, just because I'm not, you know, on the floor of a part store day to day. How are these frauds pulled off? Because you're saying that, you know, either it's, very used part coming back in or it's you know it's not even your part for example is it a problem as simple as just people not opening boxes to verify because it seems kind of hard for me to wrap my head around hard for us to wrap our head around too peter yeah (laughs) i mean it, it seems like a very simple concept and one thing we're kind of trying to promote here with this is open the box when you're selling the part when it's going across the counter the first time We'd like people to to spend some time, you know, we all invest a ton in features and benefits and rich 
asset uh, material to go along with our cataloging. And so, you know, I, I grew up as a technician and my, my dad was always working on stuff. And so I remember walking to the parts store with him on a Saturday morning and the counter person would always open up the box and show you what you're purchasing. And, you know, if you have that behavior in the sale, now it's not that uncommon to have that same behavior when you're sending it back across the counter here. But, you know, it, it's, seems so simple, but yet it doesn't happen very often. I mean, we understand people are in a hurry. You know, the delivery driver picks up a stack of 30 or 40 uh, returns from one shop or something like that. You know, it might take a little bit of time, but we got to start somewhere. Yeah, understood. And and I guess it's easy for me to sit here behind a computer and, you know, say it's a simple solution, but well, I think a lot of us have, have added resources to this. I know, you know like Dorman does a, a fantastic job of labeling a lot of their parts. Uh, we've begun doing it in a lot of our higher dollar categories here and even putting together uh, recognition guides to help counter people recognize like, oh, hey, this is this is truly an S&P part. This is not one of theirs. And uh, just adding resources to this to, again, uh, clarify for the, the end user. Yeah, and there's definitely also another component which doesn't fall into fraud, but it's still an issue is, you know, technician purchases the part, you know, returns it, but doesn't have the box. They return the part without a box and the part store person just puts, you know, they, they got to return the part product and they have another box from something else. They put it in and in the end, you scan as a part store, you scan the box, not the part. So now you're scanning whatever box you have, and then it inherently goes back to that manufacturer. So that's how you get sometimes a dormant product that goes to, let's say, standard motor products. That wasn't maybe fraudulent, but it's just a system where well, we don't know how at the store level, we don't know how to get it back to the right person because we don't have the box. So who cares? Let's just throw it on a box and return it because it's not our issue. The manufacturer will deal with it. You know, that's another way that this happens as well. Right. It's kind of almost like just passing the buck and it's, it's not my problem kind of attitude. Correct. Now, Michael, you've been quiet there for a, for a minute. My next question, I'll start off with you here. So what other tools are you folks using in order to help con- combat this? We have the Check the Part, uh, www.checkthepart.com as an awareness. It's, um, uh, it's manufacturer agnostic. It has the endorsement of AASA, which represents the manufacturers, as well as AutoCare, which represents uh, the retailers, to provide the stats that we've referenced here that Ben mentioned. It also includes uh, articles, some tips on how to identify one manufacturer part from another. Oftentimes, we want to include some tips on how to diagnose part problems so that the installer is ensuring that they buy the right parts to repair the the system as opposed to perhaps just the, what's perceived as the part. Um, those are being populated on that Check the Part uh, website. And we're also encouraging, there's the opportunity for those in the reverse supply chain, whether it be at the store, whether it be at the distribution center, if they find an example where they uh, look at the part and they find that there's a mismatch, um, that it, it shouldn't have been honored, to upload their story, provide their contact information, perhaps provide some pictures. And we want to build a database 
And as some positive reinforcement, we want to provide some, some shirts, some hats, some keychains and such with the check the part messaging. Again, it's all about bringing awareness to the opportunity to save this money so that we can reinvest it and grow as an industry. Absolutely. Makes sense. And I'm actually going to ask you for one of those hats off air. (laughs) Now, this is kind of an open kind of wrap up question. I don't want to keep you guys here all day, but when you're, if you can speak to the industry as a whole and talking anywhere in the supply chain, all the way down to installers, give us your best advice. Obviously check the part, drill it into your head. Is there anything else that we can kind of give as a takeaway message? You know, as just from the association's perspective and a macro level, we need to start thinking and being intentional and understanding within, within the challenges that the industry and is facing today and will be facing in the next five, 10 years with electrifications, warranty returns is an issue, supply chain concerns, is that the industry is healthier when all the different parts of the industry are healthy, all the different channels are healthy. So a strong supplier base, strong manufacturers lead to strong distribution, strong distribution leads to strong um, service. And so instead of, of looking at these issues, of course, warranty return in particular as it's not my issue, let me just push it down the, the value chain and somebody else will deal with it in turn, doesn't make our industry better. So so a good supplier base makes a good distribution base. A good distribution base helps the service and that helps the end consumer. Uh, So I think looking at just this one as an example, but all things, supply chain electrification is how can we make our channel partners stronger and better uh, so that the entire industry can be more profitable uh, and more effective and, and stay relevant to the changing market? It's pretty hard to top that one, but <laughs> so I wrapped it up quite nicely here, but I'll again uh, piggyback on that. And through having a strong base of suppliers here, it means that we help the industry grow through stuff like education. You know, you're probably wondering why is the director of training in this conversation? Well, again, education to the, the technician, the counterperson, the salesperson, all the way around is something that our company feels very strong about and continues to reinvest in the industry and especially new people as they come in the industry. And it's something that we're able to do. We're passionate about it and helping the industry succeed here. And so as we, we look to further the education, uh, that's going to have some warranty implications as well. But again, do the right thing, help us take back, which is only ours. And, uh, you know, let's continue to grow together. All right. And what is the website again for anyone who might want to check this out? So www.checkthepart.com. And we will have a link to that in the description of the episode. Michael, Ben, Ryan, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and helping to spread this very important message. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Peter. We appreciate you sharing it. Absolutely. And that's going to take us for another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you as always to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.